Okay, we are in uh, Matthew chapter 26, reading from verse 1. Matthew 26, reading from verse 1. When Jesus had finished all these words, He said to His disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. And Jesus knew exactly what day of the week it was. And He said, in two days, I'm going to be handed over for crucifixion. And Jesus actually was indeed crucified on a Friday. He rose on a Sunday. And I know that there's a lot of, a lot of people have trouble with that because it says that, talks about there being three days. Remember, in, in the Jewish calendar, a day starts at 6 p.m. So Friday at around 6 p.m. or it starts at sundown. So Friday around 6 p.m., our time, they would be calling that Saturday. And it, it actually becomes quite clear, and there's a number of different verses that speak to the fact that any part of a day is the day in the Scriptures. And, and there's a bunch of Scriptures. Let me, just, let me just point you to one of those in case you're ever wondering. You can look, for example, in Esther, the book of Esther, in Esther chapter 4, it, there's, there's a mention of this, and there's several points like this. And I know that, that in, our, in our day and age, to, to speak of an entire day, you think it has to be a 24-hour period. It was not so in, in, uh, in scriptural times. For example, in Esther chapter 4, it says, Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go assemble all the Jews. This is Esther chapter 4, verse 16 now. Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens also will fast in the same way. And thus I will go to the king, which is not, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther had commanded him. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes. Now, this may sound like a subtle point, but she said, you are to pray for me for three days, night and day. But she considered on the third day that they had fulfilled their part. Any part of a day was the day. And, in fact, the scriptures always say that Jesus, that this happened, his crucifixion occurred on the preparation day. If you talk to any Jew, the preparation day is Friday. That is the preparation day. Friday is the preparation day. Always has been, always will be. The Sabbath is Saturday, which starts Friday at sundown, our Friday at 6 p.m. That is then Saturday for them. Saturday is the Sabbath day. So remember, if somebody says, I always worship on the Sabbath day, oh, that's Saturday then. Because the Sabbath day always has been Saturday, always will be Saturday. So actually, we are not gathered here today on the Sabbath day. We are gathered here today on Sunday, the first day of the week, not the last day. I thought I'd just clarify that for you. If you have any questions, you can ask me. And if there's really a lot of questions, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put something together and post it on the Internet that clearly shows that Jesus was indeed crucified on a Friday. He rose on a Sunday. He rose very early on a Sunday. And so remember, a Sunday is our Saturday night at 6 p.m. Sunday starts for them. So... You know, these sunrise services we have, it's probably too late. <laughs> okay, Matthew, 
chapter 26, reading from verse 2 again, he says, You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be handed over for crucifixion. How matter of fact can Jesus be? He's going to be handed over in two days to crucifixion. Jesus said, No man takes my life, but I lay it down of my own accord. It's not like anybody has taken the life of Jesus. Jesus laid it down. Jesus knew that this was coming. In fact, in Luke, in, in, in Luke chapter 4, it says that they tried to kill Jesus. Jesus got them really upset in Luke chapter 4. And, and in verse 28, it says, They brought him to the brow of the hill to a cliff that their city was built upon, and they were intended on throwing him off the cliff. But this was very early on in his ministry. That would have messed up everything. It says, so he just passed through their midst. Boom. He just, just disappeared. And they're in this crowd. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? He's gone. Jesus was able to take care of himself quite well. It wasn't like, oh, surprise, surprise. They cornered me here in the garden. I wasn't expecting that. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Jesus said when, when, when Peter tried to, to uh, uh, take out his sword and he, he, he cut the ear off of, of the, the slave of the high priest. Jesus said, just put it away. Don't worry. Don't you know that I could call upon a legion of angels to deliver me if I wanted to? So no man took his life. He laid it down of his own accord. No surprise to Jesus. And then in verse 3, Then the chief priests and the elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas. And they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise a riot might occur among the people. So now you have the religious leaders gathered, and they're plotting on how to kill Jesus. And you see it says they were in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas. Well, sometimes you see in other portions it talks about the high priest being Annas. Well, it turns out just this year, Annas, this year that this, is, this happened... Annas had been taken out of office by the Romans. So Annas was high priest according to the Jewish law. Annas had been, lost favor with the Romans and they put Caiaphas, Annas' son-in-law, Caiaphas, in his high priest. Many of the Jews still regarded Annas as their high priest. But by Roman law, he was no longer high priest. They said, Caiaphas is your high priest, no longer Annas. But it was all of that one family and it was a very wealthy family. And, and Caiaphas was Annas' son-in-law. So that's why you will see in different portions, it'll talk about Annas the high priest, it'll talk about Caiaphas the high priest. It depends on whose perspective. The Romans and some Jews considered Caiaphas high priest. Other Jews considered Annas still the high priest. And it says they were plotting together to kill Jesus. Well, here are the religious leaders plotting together. You know, religious leaders do bad things sometimes. I don't know that they do bad things more times than non-religious leaders, but religious leaders do th bad things sometimes. So don't let the fall of a religious leader here on earth upset you too much. You know, it's upsetting if your pastor should fall and you find out your pastor's doing something wrong. But just remember, that's not Jesus. Just remember, if I end up being involved in some gross sin, remember, I'm not Jesus. Jesus still remains pure and clean. And you can't say, oh, well, you know, that religious leader fell, so the heck with all religions. I'm not going to follow any religion. You know, I'm not going to follow Jesus. That has nothing to do with Jesus and his purity. And remember, if you think the world is somehow purer than the religious institutions, you're wrong. 
Actually, it is not somehow pure. You know, many, many uh, um, atheists will come up to me and they'll say, you know, you're religious people, you know, they've killed, they've killed all sorts of people in their lives. And I'm like, not compared to your atheist people. Stalin killed 50 million of his own people. And that is the outworking of atheism. Because the people have no base goodness that you want to have to hold on to, so why not just kill them? But when, you lo- when someone from a Christian perspective goes astray, that's actually opposed to the teachings of Christ himself. So the very outworking of atheism has caused massive destruction. The atheists in the world, Mao, for example, or Stalin, have killed far more than the quote-unquote religious leaders have ever killed. And so when, when people tell me, oh, you know, it's just too hard to be a Christian, I just, I'm just thinking, I want to go back to the world. I think, you're crazy. You think it's hard in the church? You go out in the world, they'll really beat you up. I mean, the church is far more merciful than the world. Yes, there are religious leaders here, Jewish religious leaders that are plotting to kill Jesus. That doesn't make all of Judaism bad. Just as there are many things that Christian leaders have done in the past that doesn't make Christianity necessarily bad because, in fact, it's opposed to the very teachings of Christ himself. Whereas in atheism, it's often the outworking of atheism that leads to these things. Okay, let's pick it up at verse 6. Matthew 26, verse 6. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper... A woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this, and they said, Why this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a high price, and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to him. For for she has done a good deed to me. For you always have your poor with you, but you don't always have me. For when she poured the perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, whatever this woman has done will be spoken of in memory of her. Okay, now let's turn to Mark chapter 14, which is the parallel account. And let's see some other things that that Mark lets us know about this very same event. Mark chapter 14, reading from verse 1. Now when the Passover of unleavened bread were two days away, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him, for they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise there might be a riot among the people. While he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard, and she broke the vial and poured it over his head. And some were indignant, remarking to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii, and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed, for you always have the poor with you. And whenever you wish, you can, do to them, you can do good to them, but you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for the burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be spoken of in memory of her. Okay, this is 
a beautiful portion. So Jesus is, is reclining at the table. So, so, you know, they had these low tables and they would lie down on the ground with their head facing the table, feet away. This woman comes and she pours this perfume over his head. Now it says the value of the perfume, when they estimated it, the disciples said, we could have sold this for 300 denarii. A denarii was a day's wage. So you got 300 days' wages. So that's about a year's worth of wages for a common laborer. So to put that in terms of today, say $30,000. That's a good chunk of change. I mean, this isn't a $30 bottle of perfume. This is $30,000. This is something that is very valuable. And she poured the whole thing out on Jesus. Poured the whole thing over his head. And the disciples start complaining. And it says... In verse 4 of Matthew 14, but some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. So you've got these 12 disciples around. How many of them were scolding her? We don't know. She probably wasn't very educated. Women didn't have a whole lot of standing in that day in Israel. And here they are scolding her. What are you doing? Whoa, 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 wait a minute. What are you doing? Why are you wasting that? And they're coming against this lady for this expression that she's shown to Jesus. And it is a lot of money. They knew exactly what the value of this must be. Now, we know from another instance that Judas was one of the ones complaining about the price of a perfume that was once poured out on Jesus in another another event. And it says that he was complaining because he used to be the one who kept charge of the money box and he used to pilfer it. So he would have rather she sold that, given the money and put it in the money box so that he could pilfer it, the scriptures say. So actually, there was an ulterior motive. But on this, we don't know exactly, and it says disciples were doing it, so it wasn't just Judas. But they considered it a waste. And Jesus, in reply, says, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She's done a good deed to me. Look what Jesus does. He takes the whole thing and he turns around and he says, leave her alone. Stop scolding her. Stop bothering her. She has done a good thing. In fact, it's so good That whenever this gospel is preached, this is going to be mentioned. This good work that she did. Jesus is always for the underdog. Always the one that's being abused. Jesus is for them. I told my my kids, I said, if you see somebody in school being picked on, go and support the one being picked on. Never become part of going and picking on that person. You go and you support the one being picked on and you will receive a blessing. Jesus always went for the one that was being abused. Always. And then it says, You always have the poor with you, and when it, with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them, but you, cannot, you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. She has done what she could. She has no education. She's not articulate enough to be preaching the gospel. But she took what she had and she has anointed me. She has done what she could. This is what Shireen tells me. 
You know, I, I see some great preacher, you know, like I tell, you, you know, I had this lunch with, with Ed Young, the pastor of, of, of Second Baptist Church, and he's got like 50,000 church members. And I come home and I say, you know, what's with my life? I mean, I, I've not done anything for the Lord like compared to what this man has done. And she looks at me, she says, your name is Jim Tour. His name is Ed Young. You do what Jim Tour is supposed to do, and he does what Ed Young is supposed to do. Oh. Okay. She has done what she could do, Jesus says. What she could do, she has done. She didn't preach a single word. She didn't evangelize a single bit. She didn't stand up and, you know, and, 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 and get killed for talking about Jesus and done some great work. She didn't go to some seminary and start teaching them. She did what she could do. She had something that was very costly that belonged to her and she poured it out on the head of Jesus. She did what she could do. I do what I can do. You do what you can do. And each of us will touch people for the Lord and serve the Lord in whatever area He has for us. I could never do what you will do for the Lord. I couldn't do it. You love people in a different way than I love people. Shireen loves people in a different way than I love people. You know, when you come to me, I tell you what you ought to do. And I say, if you do this, you'll be alright. You don't do it, you're going to have a tough life. Shireen doesn't share with people that way. You know, she puts her arms around somebody and she just loves them and says, hey, here, let's cook chicken curry together. And that's what she does. And that's how she kind of teaches them what to do in life. She doesn't just say, look, this is what you've got to do. You do it and you'll be all right. Don't do it. It's going to be a tough life for you. That's the way I do it. We are different. Everybody has a different ministry. Everybody has a different way of touching the Lord. This woman poured this oil over the head of Jesus, this perfume over the head of Jesus, anointing him for burial, probably not even really realizing that she was anointing him for burial, but she was doing it out of an expression of love. You know, when, I am, when I'm sick, you know who I really like to have pray for me? Charismatics. I love it because they really pray for me. I mean, they just go up and down praying for me. And it's not one short prayer. Father, thy will be done. I don't know, maybe the Father's will is I die. I mean, the charismatics are going to take this thing and they're just going to ride it right on through. And they're going to make sure that I rise up from this bed. There is a devotion there. And sometimes we feel like, well, you know, this theology and, you know, you know, I'm not sure about this speaking in tongues stuff. Just quiet. They know what they're doing. And it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And we can think we got this whole thing figured out. You know, there was a prayer group that started at, at Rice University a few years ago and people would gather and pray for each other. And, and to some students it was kind of you know, a bit off. And I'm thinking, are you crazy? These people love God so much. Let them pray for me. Yeah, pray for me in your prayer group. I want, I want you guys praying for me. This is what I want. She had a little bit different style of ministering to Jesus. 
is a bit weird compared to the way the disciples did it. The way the disciples ministered to Jesus, you know, they got the Passover feast ready. You know, they, they, they took care of the details. They, they, they distributed with baskets the food. They picked up the leftovers. And that's a good ministry. This woman's ministry was a little bit different. She didn't particularly have the gift of hospitality, maybe, like Martha did. But she ministered to Jesus. She did what she could do. She gave her ministry to Jesus, anointing his head with oil. And I was thinking about this oil on his head. This, for perfume to cost $30,000 equivalent, you know what that perfume must have smelled like? How rich the smell must have been? And this is all in his hair. And we know Jesus had long hair, right? Because that's what the pictures show us. <laughs> so it, it's all in his hair. In two days, actually, in two days, he's crucified. So in a day and a half, or a day, he's being scourged, and he's being led through the streets. You know the smell, the aroma that he's carrying? He's carrying this very aroma with him as he's being paraded through the streets, carrying a cross. Let me give you a lesson in chemistry. Aroma is very closely associated with memory. And, and so, for example, when, when I was growing up, my mother cooked bacon almost every day. I had bacon and eggs. And we don't do that anymore because, because we realized that, that men, all men in their 40s were dropping dead of heart attacks and they couldn't figure out why. And now we know why because they were eating bacon and eggs every day. And so that's, that's what men ate. But that's what kids ate. So my mother was cooking Bacon and eggs every day. And this aroma of the bacon would just come rushing up the steps to my bedroom. And I knew bacon was being cooked and breakfast was good. Now, to this day, if I smell bacon being fried, I think of my home. I think of my childhood. Aroma is very associated with memory. You may have had somebody you particularly liked that wore a certain perfume or cologne. And it can be 10 years later, 20 years later, Somebody walks by wearing that same perfume or cologne and you're like, just get drawn to them and immediately this memory starts going back to this individual. Has this ever happened to anyone? Yeah. And, and it goes right back to this individual. Why is that? It's very closely associated with memory. I'm telling you, when they smell this smell going by, any time they ever smell it again, they probably were right, brought back to this occasion where Jesus was walking by carrying that cross because this is what he bore on him when he went to the grave. There's actually a deeper thought here. The thought is how she poured out her life to Jesus. Jesus didn't say, oh, that's a, that's a wonderful message that you just preached. You know, that's, that's a, you know, just wonderful theology. She just poured this perfume over his head. The simplicity of the purity of devotion to Christ. Turn to, to uh, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I am afraid for you, that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds would be led astray from the simplicity 
and purity of devotion to Christ. I am afraid for you that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. That's really what it comes down to. This is the essence of what we're left with. The simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. He didn't say, you know, I'm I'm really worried that you're never going to grasp the concept theological principles of Jesus and His resurrection. I'm really sorry you're never going to have the opportunity to go to Dallas Theological Seminary and get a degree in the complexities of the Gospels and how they tie together with the Old Testament. He says the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to. Do we really love Jesus? And there's all these other things that come up, come at us as believers. And they're not necessarily bad. Many of them are good things that teach us many deep thoughts. But it gets down to the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what that lady had. This simple devotion to Jesus. I don't know how to preach. I have no education. I have... The only thing I have is this ointment that was given to me. And its value is very valuable. Let me go and give this to Jesus. I don't think she was even invited. She just came walking in and poured this over his head. And then all these really important people, remember, the disciples, the disciples actually, even before the death of Jesus, the scriptures often refer to them as apostles. So, you know, you've got a bunch of apostles scolding you. You know, you have deacons and pastors, and you've got to go way, way, way up to get to an apostle. I mean, apostles were really important folks. Remember, they, they, they wrote much of this book. And they're scolding her. You know, if you devote your life to Jesus, the world won't understand it, and a lot of times believers won't understand it. You know, when I first came to know the Lord, no one else in my family knew the Lord at that time. And, and uh, my mother was just, just um, you know, just beside herself, wondering what, what I had gotten into. And she, you know, my mom and dad thought it would pass and didn't pass. And so one day my mom was visiting, and I was... I was I don't know, maybe a junior in college, and and um, uh, and I invited her to a church service. Now, in this church service, the church that, that that I originally got discipled in, people would pray in the service always on their knees, and so the whole congregation would drop to their knees for about thirty to forty minutes, and people would individually give thanks to God on Sunday morning. So it was different than the way we do it here. It wasn't necessarily better or worse. It's just different. So she's sitting in her chair, and all these people start dropping down on her knees around her. And here is her son, who she's never seen down on his knees, dropping down on his knees and giving thanks to God. So finally, at the end of the service, she's got these tears in her eyes. And I, you know, I mentioned to her after service, and I said, you were really touched in the service. She says, 
I'm not touched. I can't believe my son is doing this. And you know, I know how she feels. I mean, this is so strange looking to her. And she says, I can't believe you're here on a Sunday. I said, well, where should I be on a Sunday? She says, be out on the beach like a normal human being. And you know, from her perspective, she's absolutely right. I mean, this is a very strange place to be for her. Be out on the beach. The world does not understand devotion to Jesus Christ. Never will. The world thinks, just like the apostles thought of this woman, why waste? Why do you give so much effort to this, this Jesus stuff? Why do it? Why are you giving so much? You know, I spend much more time preparing this, these messages for this Sunday school class than I do the lectures in my class at the university. And for those of you who took my, taken my class, you're probably saying, yes, we can tell. But, but I, I, I give much more for this. And, and um, it's not like I get paid for this. I get paid for that. But I give much more for this, and the world doesn't understand it. Why give so much of your life for something like this? The world never will understand But only believers devoted to Jesus Christ can understand this. And even believers will say, why do you do that? Why do you invest so much in this? Why do you give so much money? You know, my my kids sometimes complain about this. My daughter has said if she ever wants money from me, she's going to write to me like a missionary does and tell me she has a need because she feels that that's the only way she'll ever get it. (laughs) And... and, uh, the world doesn't understand, and believers don't even understand. Sometimes our devotion for giving to the things of Jesus. And that's what this woman gave. She was devoted to Jesus. For her, this is what she gave. And the world, even your own family, sometimes will not understand why you want to do this. Why, when you're exhausted, do you force yourself to rise up in the morning to spend time with Jesus? Why do you, when, you know, the party's going on and everybody's around in the excitement, do you say, I I must leave now? Knowing that you have to leave this gathering because tomorrow morning is another morning and you're going to have to rise up and spend time with the Lord. So you're cutting short something that is really exciting because the next day you want to give your heart to Jesus. The world doesn't understand. And often believers around you don't understand. They're like, come on, this is... This is Christian stuff too. Yeah, I know. But that time I have with Jesus in the morning is really precious to me and to my Lord. And they won't understand. But this woman understood what we're talking about. The disciples didn't even understand. This woman understood. This is important to me. And in the essence of it all, The simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ is the thing that Paul is worried we would lose. He says, I am afraid for you, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. You get all this stuff going through your mind that you've got to do, and I'm worried for you that the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ will be lost. That's what Paul said he was worried about. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that it reminds us this act that this woman did, which could not be understood even by the apostles. But Jesus, you appreciated it and you understood. And you said, leave her alone. She has done what she could. Father, thank you that you appreciate so deeply these simple acts and expressions of love toward Jesus. Father, thank you. You are so good. Father, I pray for these young people that you get a hold of their hearts, that you give them a simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ, that they would have an expression of love, acts of expression of love toward Jesus that are special just between them and Jesus. Because I know, Lord, you appreciate that. And then when the world and even other believers don't understand them, Lord, I thank you that you understand them and that you defend them. Lord, thank you for your mercies. Do a great work in their hearts, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.